More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready for Smart Money Happy Hour. Pull up a chair, it's the happy hour you wish your friends were having. Mix two money experts with some hot takes and a splash of nostalgia, and you get me, George Camel. And me, Rachel Cruz, talking unfiltered about what's going on in the world, pop culture, and how to afford a life you love. We're talking money, celebrity budgets, and my budget for my two French Bulldogs. It's a lot. (laughs) You'll hear it all on Smart Money Happy Hour. Listen on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's official. In a historic 5-4 ruling, the Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade, throwing the issue of abortion back to the individual states. The court's opinion was immediately attacked by pro-abortion activists who called the ruling everything from extreme to a threat to democracy. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It is democracy in action, friends. I'll give my thoughts on this in tonight's Hold On Lock. Welcome to Hold On Line. I'm Buck Sexton. It was perhaps the biggest Supreme Court decision of my lifetime, and I was not here with you on Friday to discuss it, so I wanted to share with you today that it was not only the right decision from a legal perspective, but also uh, a moment of collective exhalation and uh, exaltation, I would argue, for the American people who understand not only the Constitution, but also the basic morality that is at issue here. Roe versus Wade was terrible law and allowed for deeply immoral practices to go on, abortion on demand for uh, an extreme uh, manner for decades. And now that is no longer a federal law. There's no longer a fake constitutional right to an abortion. It was never in the Constitution to begin with. We all know that. There was no argument really to be made. But Alito's majority opinion pulled apart the nonsense here. Abortion prevents a profound moral question, he writes. The Constitution does not prohibit the citizens of each state from regulating or prohibiting abortion. Roe and Casey arrogated that authority. 
The court overrules those decisions and returns the authority to the people and their elected representatives. All this really does, all this decision does is one, one uphold the Mississippi fetal heartbeat law, which says that after 15 weeks, you cannot have an abortion in the state of Mississippi, which is a later prohibition, meaning later in the duration of a baby's development than what most of Western Europe has. So that's not some radical, crazy idea. Uh, and yet the Democrat left pretends like it is. It also, the decision also ends this regime of pseudo-constitutionalism where you have a right to privacy, which they found somewhere in the nooks and crannies of the Constitution, no one ever looked in before it, in the Constitution's couch cushions, they found this idea of a right to abortion and prop this up for decades because it is what the Democrat left wanted. Their policy desire overrode any fealty to constitutional interpretation or honest uh, legal scholarship. Also from Alito's majority opinion, he makes this case as well, Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. Its reasoning was exceptionally weak and the decision had damaging consequences. And far from bringing about a national settlement of the abortion issue, Roe and Casey have inflamed debate and deepened division. Well, that's absolutely right. One thing that you'll notice is that the Democrats that are furious about this right now won't even look at the legal reasoning that Alito in the majority here puts forward and why he not only upheld Mississippi's fetal heartbeat law, but also overturned Roe and overturned Casey. What is their argument against this? It's just slogans and shouting and talking points and the whims of the mob on the street. Are they really going to make the case that there is a constitutional right to abortion in the Constitution, which is a text, which is a document with words, which we can all read? Is there a constitutional right to uh, interstellar travel that we had never considered before? Do we, do we have to uh, give space aliens who land here from Mars the right to vote? I mean, this is lunacy. What they did was destroy faith in constitutional uh, in the constitutional interpretation of the Supreme Court. And yet Joe Biden, the president, and one of the dumbest people you'll ever find who claims to have a law degree is out there with the usual Democrat talking points on how a constitutional right was taken away. It's not hyperbole to suggest a very solemn moment. Today, the Supreme Court of the United States expressly took away a constitutional right from the American people that it had already recognized. They didn't limit it, they simply took it away. That's never been done to a right so important to so many Americans, but they did it. It's a sad day for the court and for the country. It's actually a good day for the court and for the country, and Joe Biden could not be more wrong on this issue, but he's a Democrat and he's the president of the Democrat party, president of the American people. And so he says what he has to. The required tune of the left here, which is not reasonable, not ethical, not based in fact, or certainly basic human decency, but it's what they want to hear. What's fascinating is that Joe Biden himself used to sound very different on this issue of abortion back when the Democrat Party was slightly less insane on this issue. Here he is in 2006. Watch. 
Well, I, I do not view abortion as a, uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy. And I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. And they ought to be able to have a common ground and consensus as to do that. It's a tragedy. Why is it a tragedy? The Democrats say it's health care. Is getting your appendix taken out when you have uh, appendicitis a tragedy? Is getting uh, a cast put on your arm if you break it during a fall? Is, is that in response to a tragedy? No, it's healthcare. Rather, I'm sorry, is the act itself the putting on of the cast? Because that's the healthcare part of it. Is that a tragedy? Why do they, why do they refer to it that way? If it's just a healthcare like any other healthcare, they're lying to you. We all know they're lying to you. And they're also lying to you about other things, too, to try to create fear. One, to bail Democrats out from what looks to be perhaps the most, uh, the most utter annihilation they will have faced the ballot box in generations. So here's Vice President Harris, who's trying to make this about not abortion, but other things that they're going to take away from you that no one is going to support or no one is going to take away these rights. Here you go. Watch. This opinion also says when you read it that abortion is not deeply rooted in our nation's history. They offer that, in the opinion, as a foundation for the decision they render today. In holding that it is not deeply rooted in our history, today's decision on that theory, then, calls into question other rights that we thought were settled, such as the right to use birth control, the right to same-sex marriage, the right to interracial marriage. She's just making stuff up. In fact, in the Supreme Court decision, it says this does not actually, uh, this is not applying to other rights. This is about this and only this, about abortion. They explicitly laid that out, but she doesn't care. And then there's another case that came down today I wanted to just briefly mention before we have our friend uh, Charles Cook to talk about that later on in the program. Kennedy versus uh, Bremerton uh, School District. Um, this was a prayer after a football game by a coach issue where he was told, he was actually fired because he was praying quietly after hours by himself in the middle of the football field. Well, here's Gorsuch writing for the majority, 6-3 today. Mr. Kennedy's private religious exercise did not come close to crossing any line one might imagine separating protected private expression from impermissible government coercion. Yeah, you don't say. We'll get into more details of that with our friend Charles Cook later on. We're going to have more on the Supreme Court's historic ruling on Roe v. Wade from last week with the founder and president of live action, Lila Rose, coming up in a moment. First, let's talk about protecting your online data. There are all these companies that promise your privacy is guaranteed, but it's not true. That's why you need a new privacy and cybersecurity application tool called Secure, spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and offering secure instant messaging and email. With Secure, all of your communications based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without using any of the big tech platform. Privacy is a big issue. Without real security, people can read your emails, messages, even your bank information. Secure will never mine your data and never ask for your phone number. You can send emails to your doctor, banker, lawyer, or anyone else with total confidence you're not being spied on by your internet provider or big tech. 
Secure is your solution to stop the constant theft of your digital identity. Costs only $5 for the Messenger, only $10 for the Messenger and email combination package. Go to secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com and use promo code BUCK for 25% off. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. The Republicans have been very overt about trying to get people through the court who didn't have a published record on Roe, but who they knew, wink, wink, nod, nod, were going to be extremists on the issue of Roe versus Wade. And that is exactly what we have ended up with. This court has lost legitimacy. They have burned whatever legitimacy they may still have had after their gun decision, after their voting decision, after their union decision. They just took the last of it and set a torch to it. Senator Elizabeth Warren declaring the legitimacy of the Supreme Court is dead after it issued a ruling overturning Roe v. Wade, a decision that had stood for nearly 50 years. Despite the protests of the left, the decision is a major victory for champions of life who have been working tirelessly to overturn Roe since it was decided back in 1973. Lila Rose, president and founder of Live Action, has been fighting for this day for most of her life. She joins me now to give her thoughts. Uh, Lila, I mean, this must have been an emotional moment for you on Friday when this came down, but, but also a joyous one. Tell us what it was like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Friday was a, a moment of tremendous emotion, most of all gratitude. Gratitude because now the pro-life fight, we actually have a fighting chance in states to protect children. And even on Friday, Buck, already clinics shut down in Utah, in Alabama, in Texas, and lives have already been saved because of the reversal of Roe v. Wade. So we're just getting started for legal protection. And there's a lot of culture work to do, you know, education, um, shoring up the networks of support for mothers and fathers and kids. But it is a tremendous step forward for life. It seems that uh, this is going to, as you say, uh, continue on now. The fight is going to be something that no longer, at least one side no longer will have the it's a constitutional right shield to uh, defend even the most obtuse and, and I would argue monstrous of arguments. Uh, Nancy Pelosi was particularly upset about this. A lot of people were upset on the left. Here's what she was like on Friday. There's no point in saying good morning because it certainly is not one. This morning, the radical Supreme Court is eviscerating Americans' rights and endangering their health and safety. But the Congress will continue to act uh, to overcome this extremism and, extremism and protect the American people. Today, the Republican-controlled Supreme Court has achieved their dark, extreme goal of ripping away a woman's right to make their own reproductive health decisions. I mean, there's so much wrong in one soundbite, Lila, but I just want to know when, when people present you with, and present might be far too kind a way of saying how they approach you with this, but when you come up against the talking point that this is all about health care, what do you say yeah. to that? I mean, I, ha I have to laugh first at Nancy Pelosi. It, it, the, she's claiming to speak for all women. You know, she's out there, every woman's health care is destroyed. Millions of American women are pro-life. 
And all that the reversal of Roe v. Wade has done is send it to the states to duke it out. So abortion is not a banned entirely in the United States. In fact, it's liberal and abortion on demand in states like New York and states like California. So this is really this almost this weird, absurd virtue signaling for the killing of human beings. I mean, that's what the abortion side is advocating for. And abortion is not healthcare. Abortion is the intentional destruction of an innocent human life. We know better now. The science is clear when human life begins. It doesn't begin at birth, it begins before, it begins at the moment of fertilization. And abortion is not medically necessary. It's not a medical treatment. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. Physicians, pro-life physicians, thousands of them say you can care for both mother and child. And I am just really looking forward to seeing this antiquated, irrational, immoral ideology in the trash, in the past, where it belongs, because the future is pro-life and pro-life is pro-woman. Lila, where do you see it going um, in terms of the politics of, of abortion law um, in states that are, let's say, purple, right? I mean, we've seen that you mentioned some of the, some very red states have already said, abortion's done here, you have to go somewhere else. And there've been a number of major corporations that have said, don't worry, we'll pay to send you out of state to get your abortion, which I think shows people just how far left and how woke the, uh, a lot of major companies like Google and Dick's Sporting Goods, there were a handful of them that got some attention over the weekend. I think the NBA put out an official statement on this too. What happens though in some of the purple states? I mean, what do you think is going to be the pathway in a state, say like Virginia, that has been blue, went red in this most recent election, what does the law look like there, and what is your group going to try to do in those places yeah. that are right on the you know the forefront, right? Not California and not Arkansas. It's going to be a battle of education and information. Listen, the pro-abortion side, the abortion industry, which makes hundreds of millions of dollars off of abortion, has had the most free marketing in all of American history of any other industry, and it's the most lethal industry that's killing, has killed over 60 million children since Roe v. Wade. They have free marketing every single day from NPR, from CNN, from every major newspaper, from the whole Democratic Party, which wants abortion on demand. You know, our school system, most of academia is pro-abortion. These big corporations are pro-abortion. It's 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 horrific. I mean, the the lie that are being told, the misinformation they're peddling. So our fight is on. Our job now is to teach the truth. Show the humanity of the child in the womb, heartbeat at just three and a half weeks, brainwaves already developing at six. Start educating on the abortion procedure. Show what's happening during these gruesome abortion procedures. Expose the abortion industry. A lot of people change their minds, Buck. When they actually have the facts and the information, the, the pro-choice talking point, it's no choice for the baby, right? Pro-choice for who? There's no choice for that child. When they start getting alternate, another point of view, many people become pro-life. And so it's gonna be a battle for hearts and minds state by state. And I'm just wondering if you have some sense of what this will look like in the, in the midterm election. Obviously the Democrats have been pushing, and I, I said six months ago, they're gonna tell everybody if Rose overturned it means that Republicans will face annihilation in the midterms. Um, that's not happening. I don't think so. Do you? Yeah. I mean, right. This this is the, this yeah. has been part of the propaganda all along. Are you seeing though a more invigorated and and enthusiastic pro life movement than ever before? Because I feel like that yeah. just gets discounted by the CNNs of the world. I mean, we are as, we are more passionate than ever. Look, live action is going to be in every state in the country doing grassroots campaigns to educate hearts and minds on. A 
abortion. And we have proven through market research that when people see some of our campaigns, like showing the abortion procedure through medical animation, 20% more people want abortion to be completely illegal after they have access to these videos exposing what abortion is through medical animation. That's just one example. And listen, Buck, 80% of Americans already want abortion restrictions. I mean, the vast majority of America already wants abortion to be restricted at at least some stage in pregnancy. That's not what the pro-abortion side wants. You know, the Democratic Party is for abortion on demand through all nine months. So when they talk about turning out the vote, no, they don't have enough constituents who care enough about killing babies that they will actually vote for that and change the tide. If anything, the tide is gonna be changed by pro-life voters. Lila, we know you had a big victory, but we need you to stay in the fight. Let us know we can help. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. In a major victory for religious liberty, the Supreme Court ruled 6-3 in favor of an assistant football coach who was fired by his school district for praying on the field after games. Senior writer at National Review, Charles Cook, joins us next to give his take on the ruling in a moment. Let's talk about protecting your home. I don't know if you saw this, but there was a recent story about an Arizona real estate agent that found the home she lived in was listed for sale. But there was a problem. She wasn't selling her home. She was the victim of home title fraud, a devastating crime happening all over the country. According to the experts at Home Title Lock, the crime is incredibly profitable and hard to detect. An identity thief simply creates a fake title transfer for your home and refiles as the new owner. Then he can take out loans on your home or sell it. Typical identity theft services don't cover you and neither does homeowner's insurance. Home Title Lock does. Home Title Lock puts a barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect anyone tampering with your home's title, they help shut it down and help get your home back in your name. Here's what you should do. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and read the testimonials from FBI agents and government officials. Then register your address to see if you're already a victim and don't even know it. And when you protect your home, tell them Buck sent you to get 30 free days of protection. HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. National Review's Charles Cook is with us next. Stay right there. The coach took his case to the court, arguing that he and other public school employees have the right to pray aloud while on the job. This is a right for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're this religion or that religion or have no faith whatsoever. High school football coach Joseph Kennedy finally has some justice after his school district terminated him back in 2015 for saying prayers at the 50-yard line after every football game. As SCOTUS blog reported earlier this morning, the Supreme Court sides with a high school football coach in a First Amendment case about prayer at the 50-yard line. The Supreme Court says the public school district violated the coach's free speech and free exercise rights when it barred him from praying on the field after games. Of course, the victory for religious freedom is hated by progressives, many of whom are claiming this ruling will lead to forced religion in American schools, which anybody with a grasp of reality knows is nonsense. But Let's bring in somebody with a grasp on reality. Our friend Charles Cook, senior writer at National Review. Charles, first off, it's been a good few days for Constitution, the rule of law, and reason. It's been a great few days for those things. Uh, for nearly 80 years, the Supreme Court has been either a vehicle for progressive change or a crapshoot. And it seems that finally, uh, it's got its finger firmly on the Constitution's text. It's day after day after day, it seems to be making the right call. What do you think about this Coach Kennedy ruling today? Uh, is the left shrieking about this more because they still haven't processed the massive, uh, you know, the massive fusillade that they received on Friday? 
or are they really worried that this is a slippery slope to, you know, the American uh, uh, indoctrination of children into prayer all day, all day long in school? What do you think? Well, I think it's a bit of both. Uh, it's going to take a while for them to adjust to a post-row world. Frankly, it's taken me a while, although I'm pleased about the change. Uh, I, I think if you read the dissent, uh, there's a couple of things going on. The first one is that there has always been a big difference between the way America treats religious liberty, for example, and the way, say, France does. You know, in France, the, the government really encourages secularism. It tries to discourage the public display of religious belief. There's a, a, a system there called laicite. And in America, that's not the case. Uh, in America, yes, we don't have a state church, and we shouldn't have one. Uh, but the idea behind most of our constitutional provisions is to protect religion from the government and make sure everyone, irrespective of their religious beliefs or lack thereof, is able to exercise them. And at some point in American history, the left got the idea that we had a French-style laïcité system and that the government was there to prevent exercise at every given point. And if you read the dissent, that's really how it comes across. But of course, that's not what the American Constitution demands. Um, it was never held to, to do that until the 60s and 70s, where we had a bunch of decisions, you know, like Roe v. Wade on abortion, that were wrong. Uh, and the court today has corrected some of those decisions, specifically the lemon test, uh, finally. In the, uh, in the decision today, they, the uh, majority wrote, the Constitution, the best of our traditions, counsel mutual respect and tolerance. This is uh, Gorsuch, writing, Gorsuch writing for the majority, not censorship and suppression for religious and non-religious views alike. I mean, there, there was a, a particular, I have to say, I spoke to some of my friends from the, from the legal realm, and I said, this is a pretty narrow ruling, actually. I mean, you had an individual here who, after official business was done, after the game is over, you know, he, he could very easily walk down, you know, walk across the street and start drinking a beer, wouldn't be violated. You know, the game is over, it's all finished. He's silently praying in the middle of the field for about 30 seconds after the game, not telling any other players or students to join him, not asking anybody to join him. And, the, and the, the superintendent of the school had a problem with this after it had gone on for years. Well, I think the, the left pushed him into the Supreme Court. Because if you read the accounts of what happened, at first he was praying and people were joining him. Right. Uh, they said, can we pray with you? And he said, yes, free country, you can. He didn't tell them to. Um, and then more and more people would join and it became more formal and he would make speeches and he would talk about religion. Um, and the school said, knock it off. So eventually he ends up on his own after hours you know, at the 50 yard line praying. And that's still not good enough. And so they sort of guaranteed that it would make it to the court. I have to say, just my you know, originalist reading of, of the First Amendment, I think it's a real stretch to suggest that even his praying voluntarily with other students on school property represents the violation of the establishment clause. I understand some of the mid 20th century decisions decided that it's very different uh, to voluntarily do that on a football field than, say, teach religion as an affirmative good in a classroom. Um, so I would have been happy if the Supreme Court had gone even further than this based on what I think the Constitution means. But as you say, his conduct was narrow and the decision was narrow. And it really does show you just how far this has been pushed that the Supreme Court has to reaffirm what should be pretty obvious. Coach Kennedy, Joseph Kennedy, expressed his thoughts on the decision today, uh, Charles, saying, Though I never would have thought I'd end up in front of the Supreme Court, I'm glad I stayed in the fight. 
I suppose fighting is just part of who I am. Every American deserves someone to fight for them, their freedom. I was proud to do so. He was also a Marine for about two decades, so not a guy to back down from a fight, not by a long shot. And here he is today. I think it took him seven years yeah. to have this right to, about, give or take, to have the Supreme Court say, yeah, you can show up after hours to an empty football field and quietly pray. That's not a violation of the Establishment Clause. Yeah, and, and I think people who point to these decisions and say, oh, look, they all seem to be going in one way, the court's moving too fast, ought to remember that it's not really moving very fast for Americans who have their lives ruined. You know, if you look at, say, some of the religious liberty cases, most notably Jack Phillips in Colorado, right. who's been persecuted for about 10 years, and the courts kept coming back to this and back to the issue that he's litigating, and there's a narrow ruling here and a narrow ruling there, um, you know, eventually they're going to have to resolve this issue because we can't have people spending seven, ten years waiting. So it's a good thing that the court has decided that it's going to get more involved. It's going to take more of these cases uh, and it's going to uphold the Constitution as it's written rather than try and always find the narrowest John Roberts star ground that it can. I have to ask you, Charles, before we let you go here, um, Justice Sotomayor, uh, spoke out on the ruling or wrote in, the, wrote in, in obviously, uh, the uh, dissent. This decision by the court sets us further down a perilous path in forcing states to entangle themselves with religion with all of our rights hanging in the balance. It, it almost is, every time I read any of her dissents, it's like they just found some random person from the comments section of salon.com to weigh in on this. I mean, I, you, I, honestly, I honestly never even get the sense that she has legal training, and I'm not trying to be funny. No, I, she's not very good. She's not very good. Um, the, the, the other thing is just on the specifics, entanglement is doing an extraordinary amount of work there. Because what she says in the dissent is, well, because people look up to Coach Kennedy, then if they see him praying, then it gives his prayer a sort of imprimatur. And if you squint a bit, then the school could be seen to be endorsed. I mean, come on. Like, I will be the first person to stand up if American public schools start endorsing Christianity or Judaism or Islam for that matter. Um, but the idea that this constitutes that, it's just straight out of an MSNBC segment. Indeed it is. Charles, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. While well, the price of gas continues to drain Americans' wallets, President Joe Biden is overseas promoting America's commitment to green energy. We have more on that comment with commentary writer for the Washington Examiner and first TV contributor, TNLO, in a moment. While gas prices continue to soar in the U.S., with today's national average reaching 49 a gallon, President Biden continues to push green energy at the second day of the G7 summit in Germany, telling world leaders investing in clean energy will somehow help solve the problem at the pump. Watch. The entire world is feeling the impact of Russia's brutal war in Ukraine and on our energy markets. We need worldwide effort to invest in transformative clean energy projects to ensure that critical infrastructure is resilient to changing climate. Critical materials that are necessary for our clean energy transition. Joining out reaction, the first contributor, Tina Lowe. Tina, good to see you. Hi, Buck. Biden blathering on over there about something or other. He says he's going to fix gas with green energy. I, I just hope that everyone sees that while people on, I had a friend tell me today that 
his, uh, he filled up his tank. It cost him $150. <laughs> okay. So granted, he drives an SUV, but uh, it's getting pretty pricey out there. Green energy, huh? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, even, even in Virginia, as you go further out into the outskirts of DC from McLean to Alexandria, you know, you have gas that's well into $5 easily. Um, there is a grand irony of Biden and all the G7 convening in Germany, the country that is probably more responsible than any other in all of Europe for getting their entire continent dependent on not just Russian gas, but on fossil fuels in particular, because they shut down their nuclear power because of, wait for it, the environmentalists. Um, it is it is just this little microcosm of how the quote unquote environmental movement works that, you know, we're talking that, that Biden is talking about we need more clean energy while we don't even have the domestic energy supply unlocked that we need because it was his regulatory regime that spooked off domestic oil manufacturers and refiners. Um, there is also something very dark about the entire G7 convening talking tough about Russia and Putin, you know, with the country that did more to keep Europe reliant on Russian oil and also just the Russian economy while Putin's striking leave and keep, right? So it's all talk, no action, and we're going to be the ones paying for it. You know, Biden says we're putting $200 billion to combat China's Belt and Road Initiative. Great if that's going to, you know, diplomatic actions to get countries more energy independent off of, off of Russian markets, off of Chinese markets, and maybe onto American exporters. Remember like three and a half years ago when America became a net exporter of energy under Trump? But instead, no, it's going towards this amorphous blob of clean energy and, you know, all the bureaucratic DEI speak that's just now gone global. It does seem pretty ironic that Biden is pushing clean energy at the G7 in Germany, when just last week reports came out that Germany made the decision to fire up retired coal power stations in response to Russian natural gas cuts. So we're, he's in Germany saying, we got to go green. And the Germans are like, well, we just restarted the power plants with the coal. <laughs> and I mean, here's the thing. They all have to listen to that Swedish teenager, Greta Thunberg. She stomps her feet and demanded that Germany start shutting down all their nuclear power. France has been you know, pretty recalcitrant, and they've maintained some of their nuclear power. And if you look at the per capita greenhouse gas emissions between France and Germany and the productivity, France emits far less carbon and far fewer greenhouse gases than Germany does per person. And why? Because you have nuclear. But just as it's true in Europe, in America, it's the left that often fights against nuclear energy because it turns the environmental movement no longer into a zero-sum game, but into something that could be economically really productive. The person who understood this really well was Margaret Thatcher, who embraced nuclear power in you know, the 70s and 80s as a way to combat the power of the coal mining union, which were historically you know, a bulwark of support for the Labor Party. That effect has remained the same. You have Andrew Cuomo, who spent his final days in office, you know, being really integral to keeping nuclear power in New York closed. Gavin Newsom, before he became governor of California, when he was lieutenant governor, put all of his energy into shutting down the la California's last nuclear power reactor. And Biden was unique in the Democratic primary in 2020 for 
you know, even paying lip service to investing in nuclear power. As president, however, it has not really been a part of his green agenda because here's the news flash about his green agenda. It doesn't actually exist. It's just the America last, Iran first, jack up prices for the American consumer so he can go beg to the Saudis for more oil. You know, you say that, Tiana, but there's a joint statement from Biden and European Commission leaders that say the following. The United States and the European Commission are also taking decisive action to reduce overall demand for fossil fuel in line with the Paris Agreement and our shared goal of net zero emissions no later than 2050. Oh, I'm sure that the actions are real decisive. Uh, what do you think? Do you think they'll get to about 2040 when they'll be like, net zero by 2080? I mean, we can just tweet our way there, right? That's, that's been this administration for all that people criticize Biden's predecessor for being too online. I think it's pretty clear that Biden is right now in this bubble of you know his 20 staffers who are all under the age of 45 and spend all day on Twitter. That they just pledge hard enough, they can claim that they're going to end climate change. No, you need domestic oil manufacturing to get us through this period when hopefully we do ramp up production of nuclear power and hopefully we do have some renewables. But this net zero emissions, where we do it without any domestic oil production, we're completely reliant on countries that hate us. You know, Saudis hate us less than other countries that we buy oil from. And it's not even like the Saudis love us right now because Biden was obsessed with the MBS, uh, Jamal Khashoggi feud. Um, it, there is no real plan. They haven't had a real plan. And the fact that you have Olaf Scholz in Germany that is refiring up coal production during a war in Russia that, or during a war in Ukraine that they helped enable Russia to begin just goes to show how farcical and mean and just impotent, impotent the West has been throughout all of this, and especially with this obsession of the Paris Climate Accords. That well, was almost 10 they, years ago now. Tatina, what, what do you think they throw into the mix? I mean, they talked about a gas tax holiday, which Obama said in 2008 was a gimmick, and, and he was right, because anyone who does the math goes, yeah, you're basically offering to give the average family of four a check for like, $20 over the, over the 90 days of the gas tax holiday. That's really, you know, don't spend it all in one place. Do they have some plan to make it seem like they're doing anything on energy going into the midterms? Or are we at let it ride time? Like Green New Deal, do or die? Yeah, no, they have no plan. I mean, the federal gas tax on regular gas is 18 cents per gallon. In states like California and Pennsylvania, it's 50 cents in most of the states in the country. It's over 30 cents. So we're talking a gas tax holiday that for most Americans is about a third of their overall gas tax that they pay because state gas taxes are still so high. What Biden needs is to, is to take control of his interior department and tell the interior department, if you don't start authorizing these leases for federal drilling, you're fired, you're gone. We as conservatives understand that the executive branch is controlled by the president. Does Biden believe that? Hopefully, because if, if the interior secretary refuses to start authorizing those leasing permits, then we're going to remain in this, in this stalemate with the oil producers who are right now petrified of starting any new drilling because it's very expensive to start new drilling. And also, the cost of labor is still so expensive, so, so they don't have enough people who are able to expand more drilling. 
Um, they have no real plan because so much of this is about a regulatory regime that they re-unleashed, right? And the number one thing that saved Barack Obama in the early aughts was shale drilling and fracking for natural gas. And what did the left do after right, Obama tr- tr- left? Tried to shut that down. Tried to tell us that it was going to poison our exactly. water and, and make it all flammable. But uh, against their best efforts, we actually had the shale revolution, which was an enormous economic boom for the country. Tina, good to see you. Thank you, Buck. All right, coming up, Nancy Pelosi gets a little aggressive with the daughter of Congress's newest member. On the video for you in quick hit, stay with us. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was throwing some elbows during Texas Congressman Maya Flores' swearing-in ceremony. You got to see this. And Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas is in the crosshairs of the radical left. We have those, those stories for you in quick hits. Let's get right to it. So look, Pelosi is awful. You know it. I know it. Total phony. Rich lady. Pretends to care about the poor. Pretends to care about minorities. Just cares about power and making sure that the Democrat apparatus is elevating her. Should have retired a long time ago. She's too old. She's completely... Uh, uh, just reckless in what she pushes now as policy. Anyway, you might notice, I don't like Nancy Pelosi. Here she is appearing to elbow the young daughter of newly elected GOP Congresswoman Myra Flores and like really gives her like a a kind of a little shove, like, you know, out of the way here. And I'm just gonna tell you, you know, there's a lot of symbolism in this one. Nancy Pelosi doesn't care about the, quote, little people. In this case, it's a very young girl, so she's kind of little. But just in general, Nancy Pelosi thinks she's more important. Nancy Pelosi thinks she's better than other people, but she pretends to care about them so she can be powerful. And that's what is so grotesque about Nancy Pelosi, among other things. Myra Flores, now installed in Congress, tweeted in response to this, I am so proud of my strong, beautiful daughter for not allowing this to phase her. She continued to smile and pose for the picture like a queen. No child should be pushed to the side for a photo op, period. Yeah, you don't say. But Nancy Pelosi has been shoving children in one way or another out of the way so she can be in the spotlight her entire adult life. This is who she is. Ruthless, she's conniving, and Democrats are fine with it because she gives the mob what it wants. She delivers for the reckless, selfish, emotional, crybaby mob of the Democrat Party. And speaking of the crybaby mob of the Democrat Party, The View is a stunningly stupid television program. I mean, really impressive in how dumb it is. Whoopi Goldberg here threatened, it seems, Clarence Thomas, who's on the Supreme Court, saying, you better hope they don't come for you. What? Watch. More. Well, you better hope that they don't come for you, Clarence, and say you should not be married to your wife, oh. who happens to be white, because they will move that. And you better hope That's that nobody it. says, you know, well, you're not in the Constitution. You're back to being a quarter We're of back a person, because that's not going to work either. No one's going to do that. It's not happening. Does Whoopi Goldberg want to place a bet that that's not going to happen, that no one wants that to happen, that there's no right-wing conspiracy to end interracial marriage, that that's a grotesque allegation that she's making right there? Of course, it's so obvious. She's an idiot. But 
they pay a lot of money to be on TV and unfortunately uh, pollute the minds of viewers who are generally not very smart either of that show and, and tell them things like this. So this is, this is the lib apparatus laid bare for all to see. And then there are the politicians on the Democrat side who say things about Clarence Thomas. They, man, they really hate Clarence Thomas on the left, don't they? And a lot of things they say, if you spend any time on social media, really racist when it comes to Clarence Thomas. But you don't ever hear about Democrat racism, do you? No, of course not. Anyway, here's Mayor Lori Lightfoot, who is leading a protest on stage, and she is so classy. Watch this. But if you read Clarence Thomas' concurrence, he said, thank you, Clarence Thomas. Bleep Clarence Thomas, she said. The mayor of Chicago, third largest city in America. He's atrocious. And then there's this. CNN seemed to get a little surprised, and Boris Johnson's like, look, the death of democracy you libs are always talking about is exaggerated. Watch. I think that uh, reports of the death of democracy in the United States are grossly, grossly exaggerated. Uh, America is a shining city on a hill. And for me, for my, and it will continue to be so. Look, I mean, there were, there were some uh, weird and, and kind of unattractive scenes uh, back in the, you know. died. I mean, it was pretty it serious. Was pretty, it was pretty weird. I, I, won't, I won't deny that. It was that. weird. I mean. Looking from the outside, it was pretty weird. But I don't believe that American democracy is under serious threat. Far from it. I continue to believe that America is the greatest global guarantor of democracy and freedom. That's ever tonight's Hold the Line, the No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to supporting our nation's first responders and veterans, heroes who put their lives on the line for our communities and our country. Heroes like U.S. Army Major Jonathan Turnbull. Major Turnbull sustained devastating injuries at the hands of an ISIS suicide bomber. The complete loss of his left eye, a puncture to his right eye. He needed more than 20 surgeries and countless hours of rehabilitation. Tunnel to Towers paid off his mortgage and gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his needs. He moves around his home more easily now. His home also gives him hope. With help from people like you, the Foundation supports families like the Turnbulls. Join Tunnel the to Towers in supporting America's heroes, our nation's catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, homeless veterans, Gold Star families, and the families of fallen first responders. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel the to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.